Read the Bible every day so you'll be full of faith. Welcome you to join Bible Links to read the entire Bible in two years. I believe God will bless you, He will lift you up, and your life will never be the same. Exodus chapter 21 Now these are the rules that you shall set before them. When you buy a Hebrew slave, he shall serve six years, and in the seventh he shall go out free for nothing. If he comes in single, he shall go out single. If he comes in married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master gives him a wife, and she bears him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters, and he shall go out alone. But if the slave plainly says, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him to God, and he shall bring him to the door or the doorpost, and his master shall bore his ear through with an awl, and he shall be his slave forever. When a man sells his daughter as a slave, she shall not go out as male servants do. If she does not please her master, who has designated her for himself, then he shall let her be redeemed. He shall have no right to sell her to a foreign people, since he has broken faith with her. If he designates her for his son, he shall deal with her as with a daughter. If he takes another wife for himself, he shall not diminish her food, her clothing, or her marital rights. And if he does not do these three things for her, she shall go out for nothing without payment of money. Whoever strikes a man so that he dies shall be put to death. But if he did not lie and wait for him, but God let him fall onto his hand, then I will appoint for you a place to which he may flee. But if a man willfully attacks another to kill him by cunning, you shall take him from my altar that he may die. Whoever strikes his father or his mother shall be put to death. Whoever steals a man and sells him, and anyone found in possession of him shall be put to death. Whoever curses his father or his mother shall be put to death. When men quarrel and one strikes the other with a stone or with his fist, and the man does not die but takes to his bed, then if the man rises again and walks outdoors with his staff, he who struck him shall be clear. Only he shall pay for the losses of his time and shall have him thoroughly healed. When a man strikes his slave, male or female, with a rod and the slave dies under his hand, he shall be avenged. But if the slave survives a day or two, he is not to be avenged, for the slave is his money. When men strive together and hit a pregnant woman so that her children come out, but there is no harm, the one who hits her shall be surely fined, as the woman's husband shall impose on him, and he shall pay as the judges determine. But if there is harm, then he shall pay life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. When a man strikes the eye of his slave, male or female, and destroys it, he shall let the slave go free because of his eye. If he knocks out the tooth of his slave, male or female, he shall let the slave go free because of the tooth. When an oxen gores a man or a woman to death, the ox shall be stoned, and its flesh shall not be eaten, but the owner of the ox shall not be liable. But if the ox has been accustomed to gore in the past, 
and its owner has been warned but has not kept it in, and it kills a man or woman. The ox shall be stoned, and its owner shall also be put to death. If a ransom is imposed on him, then he shall give for the redemption of his life whatever is imposed on him. If it gores a man's son or daughter, he shall be dealt with according to this same rule. If the ox gores a slave, male or female, the owner shall give their master thirty shekels of silver, and the ox shall be stoned. When a man opens a pit, or when a man digs a pit and does not cover it, and an ox or a donkey falls into it, the owner of the pit shall make restoration. He shall give money to its owner, and the dead beast shall be his. When one man's ox butts another so that it dies, then they shall sell the live ox and share its price, and the dead beast also they shall share. Or if it is known that the ox has been accustomed to gore in the past and its owner has not kept it in, he shall repay ox for ox, and the dead beast shall be his. Exodus chapter 22 If a man steals an ox or a sheep and kills it or sells it, he shall repay five oxen for an ox and four sheep for a sheep. If a thief is found breaking in and is struck so that he dies, there shall be no blood guilt for him. But if the sun has risen on him, there shall be blood guilt for him. He shall surely pay. If he has nothing, then he shall be sold for his theft. If the stolen beast is found alive in his possession, whether it is an ox or a donkey or a sheep, he shall pay double. If a man causes a field or a vineyard to be grazed over, or lets his beast loose and it feeds in another man's field, he shall make restitutions from the beast in his own field and in his own vineyard. If fire breaks out and catches in thorns so that the stacked grain or the standing grain or the field is consumed. He who started the fire shall make full restitution. If the man gives to his neighbor money or goods to keep safe, and it is stolen from the man's house, then if the thief is found, he shall pay double. If the thief is not found, the owner of the house shall come near to God to show whether or not he has put his hand to his neighbor's property. For every breach of trust, whether it is for an ox, for a donkey, for a sheep, for a cloak, or for any kind of lost thing, of which one says, this is it. The case of both parties shall come before God. The one whom God condemns shall pay double to his neighbor. If a man gives to his neighbor a donkey or an ox or a sheep or any beast to keep safe, and it dies or is injured or is driven away without anyone seeing it, an oath by the Lord shall be between them both to see whether or not he has put his hand to his neighbor's property. The owner shall accept the oath, and he shall not make restitution. But if it is stolen from him, he shall make restitution to its owner. If it is torn by beast, let him bring it as evidence. He shall not make restitutions for what has been torn. If a man borrows anything of his neighbor, and it is injured or dies, the owner not being with it, he shall make full restitution. If the owner was with it, he shall not make restitution. If it was hired, it came for its hiring fee. If a man seduces a virgin who is not betrothed and lies with her, he shall give the bride price for her and make her his wife. 
If her father utterly refuses to give her to him, he shall pay money equal to the bride price for virgins. You shall not permit a sorceress to live. Whoever lies with an animal shall be put to death. Whoever sacrifices to any god other than the Lord alone shall be devoted to destruction. You should not wrong a sojourner or oppress him, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. You shall not mistreat any widow or fatherless child. If you do mistreat them and they cry out to me, I will surely hear their cry, and my wrath will burn, and I will kill you with the sword, and your wives shall become widows and your children fatherless. If you lend money to any of my people with you who is poor, you should not be like a money lender to him. You shall not exact interest from him. If you ever take your neighbor's cloak and pledge, you shall return it to him before the sun goes down, for that is his only covering, and it is his cloak for his body. In what else shall he sleep? And if he cries to me, I will hear, for I am compassionate. You shall not revile God, nor curse the ruler of your people. You shall not delay to offer from the fullness of your harvest and from the outflow of your presses. The firstborn of your sons you shall give to me. You shall do the same with your oxen and with your sheep. Seven days it shall be with its mother. On the eighth day you shall give it to me. You shall be consecrated to me. Therefore, you shall not eat any flesh that is torn by beasts in the field. You shall throw it to the dogs. The following is the English translation of Pastor Mongen Wu's teaching on the book of Exodus chapter 21 to 22, translated by Ray. Read the Bible every day so you will be full of faith. So today we are going to look at Exodus chapter 21 and 22. So it's talking about interpersonal relationship and it's also talking about God's rule. And in chapter 23, we'll talk about how can people approach God. And so it's more about the statutes. Actually, for the entire law of God, there are three components. It's commandments, statutes, and rules. And the commandments is the thing that is mentioned in chapter 20. Through God's commandment, we can understand God's heart and know that what kind of God we are serving. And next, after the commandment, it's supposed to talk about statutes to tell people how to approach God, how to worship God. And then after it, it shall be rules to tell us how to have this interpersonal relationship that can glorify God. So from this logic, you can see in the Ten Commandments, the first to the fourth commandments is talking about what kind of God he is. And then from the fifth one to the tenth one, it's talking about how God cares about our interpersonal relationship. So through the first and fourth commandments, it's emphasizing, it's telling us how can we approach God and worship God through statutes. And then it talks about rules to tell us for a person who truly knows God, how can we live a godly life. However, here in chapter 21 and 22, you will notice that he first talks about rules. Why is that? It's because in chapter 20, remember when everyone is worshiping God under the Mount Sinai, when they see God's glory, the people were afraid and trembled. And they told Moses that they don't want God to speak to them. Let Moses speak to us. So because the people are afraid of God, so they cannot understand God's statutes immediately because they don't have the courage and they don't have the ability to approach God to worship him. And it's because 
because of our fear inside us. So God, he has this consideration knowing that we still have this heart of a slave. So he is going to gradually transform these slaves into a priest, into the true son of God. And so that's why God, after he announced his commandments, he first announced his rules. So here in chapter 21 and 22, we shall really see God's love. And then also when we are reading these two chapters, you might feel that, oh, these rules, they are very detailed. And maybe some some of the things we don't even care about. But when we are reading these, there are three things that we really need to take heed of. And these are actually three very important principles in our Christian life. And also is something that we should pray about. And the first thing is that we have to pray that, Lord, may you help me to really understand your heart. I want to see your teaching about our interpersonal relationship, to see what you care about, to see your heart, see your wealth, see your standard, and see your principle. Teach me how to always live in front of you. And this is the first thing that you should pray. Otherwise, you might feel that all oh, these rules, they are really naggy. You just want to skip them. And maybe some of the things, it's very far from our everyday experience. You might feel that why do I need to care about that? But actually, there is a relationship with our everyday life. Lord, may you help me do these rules. I will see your heart. I will know your wills and know how to live in front of you. And the second thing is that we shall pray when we are reading these rules, we will find that there are many things about interpersonal conflicts, frictions. It also talks about anger, greed, or cursing, or even striking each other, or the hurting towards each other. So the second thing is that we shall pray is that, Lord, help me to see that inside me there are still many weaknesses, that Satan, he can still work on me, and that he can use my old self, my flesh, my shortcoming, my lies, or fear, or insecurity. He can use these slaves' heart so that, God, may you really help me to turn these slaves into a true son to become a priest and reveal every single shortcoming inside me that still allows Satan to attack me or use me to attack others. So these are the second thing that we shall pray, that Lord may you help me to really grow into your characters, to bind my old self, my anger, my flesh, my cursing. If I feel indifferent when I cause others to suffer, Lord may you have mercy on me, may you convict me and forgive me. And then the third thing is that when we are reading the rules, sometimes we might compare God's laws to earthly laws. You know, some people, they will say that, oh, the Moses, the rules, actually, it's very similar to the code of Hammurabi in Egypt, all that. So someone may, may say that the laws of the Lord, the rules, their commandments, actually just referencing to earthly revelation. But this is actually not true. So here, the third thing you shall pray, that Lord may you help me so that I can truly see what is the kingdom of men on earth and what is the kingdom of God on heaven. You know, the earthly kingdom, they have their standards. Godly kingdom has its standards. Help me to live according to your standards so that I can live out a life and position of a king. So maybe you might see someone else when they have this command saying that, oh, these interpersonal relationships similar to Kolo Hammurabi, you have to know that, oh, that is actually 
actually principles of men, but instead we should think about why in God's rule he sets this standard. You have to see God's mercy, grace, righteousness, and faithfulness in these rules. And these are the things that is not manifested in codes of Hammurabi or any other earthly laws. So here through chapter 21 and 22, help us to enter into God's heart. And also may God convict me to see if there is any sin inside me that are being convicted in chapter 21, 22. And also help me to leave human's kingdom and enter into God's kingdom. So here chapter 21 verse 1, now these are the rules that you shall set before them. So you can see that God really loves us. He don't first talk about statutes, but first talk about rules because he know that we are weak and we have fear and we still have this mindset of slave. So he's trying to guide us. This is equivalent to him saying that my children come, come know my heart and I really want you to know your heart as well. And then next in verse 2 to verse is very special. The first rule that God mentioned is about slavery. It's about rules of slavery. And this is especially important because the Israelites, they literally just get rid of the slavery from Egypt. So we have to see that God first told them about these rules of slavery because he wants to help Israelites to get rid of this slavery mindset. So God will tell you how I treat slaves. So here in verse 2, when you buy a Hebrew slave, he shall serve six years and in the seventh he shall go out free for nothings. So note that many earthly rules, they might actually be contradicting to God's kingdom's principle, but at that time, there indeed is a slavery system. So God is actually telling us that a Christian faith is not trying to change the rules on earth, but instead a Christian faith is about how we can change our life so that no matter it's in a kingdom system or when there's a slavery system or it's a democracy or autocracy that God cares more about who we are than what the system is. So help us to get rid of the mindset of a slave and to become the true son of God and the priest of God. So here the first rule is talking about the principles of treating our slaves. So help us to see that a slave will not be a slave for his entire life. He will not just be a slave because of one mistake in his life. Even though he might not take good care of his own property, so he have to sell himself to be a slave, but he will not be a slave for his entire life. And that is very different from Egyptians' rule. And that's also why the Israelites, they serve as a slave for 430 years. But here, God is trying to tell us, a Hebrew slave, he shall serve a slave for six years, but in the seventh, the Sabbath year, he shall go out free. And this is the principle of God. God doesn't want us to be a slave for our entire life. And next in verse 3 and 4, if he comes in single, he shall go out single. If he comes in married, then his wife shall go out with him. But in verse 4, if his master gives him a wife and she bears him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters, and he shall go out alone. So on the seventh year, he shall go out alone. So why? It's because the relationship of the slave and the master, originally it's supposed to be a contracting relationship. But here, if the master gives the slaves a wife, then this will become a relationship of grace. And so here, the slave that he should notice that now my relationship with my master is no longer just a contracting relationship, but actually it's a relationship in grace. So when the time comes that it's the time for me to leave my master's house, if I'm trying to leave this master who is giving me grace, then this grace has to stay in the master's house and I can only leave 
by myself. If I still insist to treat this relationship as just a contracting relationship, yes, you have the right to leave, but the grace has to stay in the master's house. And that's why in verse 5 and 6, but if the slave plainly says, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go out free, then his master shall bring him to God, and he shall bring him to the door of the doorpost, and his master shall bore his heir through with an awl, and he shall be his slave forever. So here the slave, he has to see that originally our relationship is just a contracting relationship. But when I see that my master is showing grace to me, then even though after this contract is finished, now I have this freedom to choose. I can either leave this master who gave me grace to live my own life, or I can choose to give up my freedom and to follow my master forever to live a life of grace. Because this trading relationship has ends, I am no longer a slave. I have paid back my debt as a slave for six years, but my wife, my children, is something that my master has given me. So from now on, I will no longer live a life of slave, but instead I will live a life of grace. So here, the first rule is talking about the rules of slavery. It's speaking to the Israelites, but it's also speaking to us. Today, we are no longer a slave, and many things that God has given us is actually God's grace. But many people only want God's grace, but doesn't want this master, this Lord who gives us the grace, then he will be like this slave. After seven years, you can choose to leave. You can choose to leave this home, but the grace will not follow you. When the slave leaves this master, this house with grace, he will not have his wife and his children. But today, if we are willing to stay with this master who give us grace, then we have to do one thing that I will choose to serve my master and enter into a loving relationship. And I will bore my air through with an awl on the doorpost. And that is a signification saying that now I'm in a relationship of love, relationship of grace, and a relationship of obedience. It's no longer just a contract or a trading. It's no longer that, oh, I can just leave after six years. But we have to see God's heart, why he put the first rules about this. It's because he doesn't want us to be a slave forever. And also he give us freedom to choose. He will try to keep us using his grace. And so what are our response today? Do I want to keep enjoying God's grace? Do I want to keep staying in his house? Do I want to enjoy all the blessing that God has given me, then there is a condition that we have to have this willing heart to obey. I have to have my ear to listen to my master's words. It's not that I have to live in his command, but instead it's to live in a relationship of love. And that's the true meaning of grace. And this is the first evidence that God's rule is to try to bring us into his loving and graceful relationship. And next from verse 7 to verse 11, it's talking about a girl is sold a slave, then this is very different. It's actually talking about a bridal relationship. Maybe we might be sold as a bondmaid. And actually here the word bondmaid in its Hebrew word is actually the same word as concubine. You are actually a wife being taken. So maybe 
maybe this master he bought you and then he make you the wife of his son or maybe he treat you as his own wife you are actually not just a concubine you are actually not a slave but your identity becomes either a daughter-in-law or a wife you become the mistress of this house. So that's why God specifically in his rule, he mentioned that if she does not please her master who has designated her for himself, then he shall let her be redeemed. The redeemed price is basically the bride price. Her food, her clothing, and her marital rights cannot be diminished. And if he does not do these three things for her, she shall go out for nothing without payment of money. And that basically means that the master has no no rights on her at all. So here God let us see that he paid his price on us, he died for us, and he truly gave us the food, the clothing, and the marital rights so that we are not just a bondmate in this house, we are not a slave, but instead we are in this loving relationship. We have to love with a sincere heart and God is enjoying us and we actually now has an identity as a bride. So you can truly see that God's rule, the first thing that he's trying to tell us is to manifest his abundant love to the Israelites, to let everyone know the first rule of God he has for us is to tell us that in God's house there is grace and I redeemed you to be my bride and this is the rules and this is God's love and next from verse 12 to the end of chapter 22 you can see that inside us there are many lies that are evil and we have many foothold for Satan to do evil stuff so here from verse 10 you can see that a man he can strike men to death and then from verse 14 to 17 people will try to kill each other by cunning and they might strike their parents steal steal a man or curse their parents all these things are violating the ten commandments so here god's first starting from interpersonal relationship and our relationship with our authority to tell us that inside us they are evil they are footholds for satan to do evil things so may god really help us to know that i cannot live out these rules by myself However, in chapter 20, all the Israelites say that it's no, not a problem. They say, oh, whatever God says we can follow. But in fact, you cannot live those things out because you have sin inside us. If God does not take away the heart and mindset of a slave, if God doesn't change us, the, our old self, if he doesn't die for us and were it not for his grace, all the things that we can live out will become like the life manifested here from verse 12 to the end of chapter 22. We will live a life that strikes other to death, that we will live a life that curse our parents, steal and sell a man, kills other by cunnings. And then here you see from verse 18 to 21, man quarrel and one strikes the other. In verse 20, 21, we might even strike our slaves to death with rod. All the cruelty inside us, all the violence inside us, all the things that we don't treat life seriously. So it's a huge contrast to the beginning of chapter 21. It mentioned, it starts from, oh, how a slave can start learn to live in love and grace, that we are no longer just a bondmaid. We now become a daughter-in-law or we become a bride. But at, immediately afterwards, God told us after verse 12, all the life, all the things that we manifest, it's actually, there is this cruelty, this 
this violence that we don't even know about ourselves. We don't know that how possible it is for us to curse, to violate, to hurt our authority, our parents, or even we will try to solve problems by violence through our fist, or even we maybe we don't care about our slaves, the people who are underneath us. We will strike them, we will hurt them, and we don't feel painful for the victim and sometimes we might even change from a victim to become a perpetrator so you know a heart of a slave really needs to get healed really needs to get transformed by god so if god does not manifest his will inside us if he don't manifest his grace reveal his acceptance to us to let us know that we are no longer a slave or a bondmate and we are instead now we are his bride stand all the things that we will do will be like the things after verse 12. And then next we see verse 22 to 25. Men would strike together and even hit a pregnant woman to a degree that her children come out. You see, it's really scary. And verse 24, 25, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, strife for strife. So here in God's rule, no matter you are rich or poor or at a high or low position, you have to live Live in an equal life. We all have to live in the self-control. You know, in the past, in the either in the movie or in the history, we see a lot of things. There are some conflicts between two villages or two countries. Maybe one person is being hurt, and then now the entire village will try to hurt like a hundred people or even kill the entire village, kill the entire race. You know, like one person's trouble or conflicts brings out the hatred among people. This is the true picture of a sinner. If a heart of a slave does not be changed, if we are constantly being oppressed, if we are not being comforted, or even our sin is not being convicted by God's life, if we are not being accepted in his love and be transformed into a bride, then everything that we have will become Satan's best weapon to attack each other, will become the best vessel for Satan to corrupt this generation. All these people who just left Egypt, they are God's host, they are God's army, they are God's priests, they are God's people. But why is God telling about all these rules, mentioning about all these conflicts, all these hurts or pain. It's because we still have this sinful nature. So may God have mercy on us, forgive us, and also reveal to me, help me to not say that, oh, I will never do these things, but instead ask God, tell me that I don't really know myself. Don't just immediately think that you will not make those mistakes. Just like in chapter 20, the Israelites, they all think that they can fulfill the rule. They all think that they are good people. It's actually because you don't really understand yourself. When we see ourselves truly in God's light, we will see that, oh, actually inside me, there are hatred, there are complaints, there are discontent, there are criticism. We actually have all these things and next, in verse 26 to 27, when a man strikes the eyes of his slave, he shall let the slave go free because of his eye. If he knocks out the tooth of his slave, he shall let the slave go free because of his tooth. So here, pregnant women, slaves or maidservant, they are all weak. They don't have a value. They don't have a position. But God really look after them. So here, you can see that God's heart is truly tender and merciful. So no longer just keep saying that you are not important or 
saying that I'm just nobody, I'm the lowest person in my company, no one will care about me, no one will voice out for me, and I have just no choice but suffer in silence, I can only bear this because I'm a nobody. But God says, I don't want you to see yourself like that. You, in God's kingdom, you have a value, and God's love on you is real, and He counted us worth it to buy you back using the life of His only beloved Son. He treated us very precious. So any hurt, pain, or loss that you suffer, God wants to release us. God wants to restore us, and God promised that He will bring those things back. As long as we keep staying in His house, live in His grace and His love, He will speak out for us. And next, from from verse 29 to 36, it talks about ox or donkey. So sometimes maybe our finances or our properties, there are some conflicts related to that or frictions that we cannot solve this. But God also looks after all these small things in our life. There are definitely some people who might owe you money or someone might scam you or might mistreat you financially, but God all cares about those things. So you can bring all your pain in front of God. In his rule, it's clearly mentioned that he cares about all these details in our life. And next in chapter 22, verse 1 to 4, it's talking about that God wants to deal with our sin and God is trying to help people. So here it talks about maybe someone is stealing or maybe someone's ox or sheep is being stolen. God doesn't want to bring people to death, but instead God wants to save us from sin. So you have to see that why does God ask us to repay double? It's because God really cares about those things. So maybe if we cause loss on others, or maybe we swindle others, or maybe I desire other people's stuff, I steal, you might feel that, oh, no one will care about these kind of things. Maybe you steal the office supply from your office, or maybe you steal the time money or still the trust. God all cares about these things. So through prayer, through repaying, you can ask God for a courage and give me grace so that I can go repay for those things. You will not have lacking. God will definitely give you enough provision. So here, through reading God's rule, you can see that maybe if we make mistakes, God is not trying to convict us, but God wants to guide us to get rid of sin. God wants to convict sin, but he wants to help sinners to become priests, to become God's vessel. And next, we can read verse 5 and 6. You can see that God, even regarding our own properties, we shall not encroach on other people's stuff or damage other people's field. God cares about these details. And next, in verse 7 to 11, it's also talking about never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God. And this is the true meaning to live in front of God. So maybe there will be some cases between two persons and bring them to in front of the judge. So here, who is the judge? It's not talking about the judge on earth, nor the mediation committee. We have to believe in God. When we bring our stuff in front of God, he will not mistreat us. Maybe we might say that, oh, all the earthly laws, they are very complete. But in reality, the earthly judges, prosecutors, or the law enforcement personnel are not perfect. So they might fabricate things, they might receive bribes, and they might impact the justice of their judgment. So here, when we bring our heart, our loss, our weaknesses, worry, or helplessness in front of God, the only righteous judges, God will avenge for us and he will judge for us. So we have to believe that here God 
records so many details in his rules. That means he cares about those things. And it's also serves as a reminder for us. If we mistreat others, if we cause loss on others, if we steal other people's stuff, all these things, or maybe we are trying to take advantage of others, God will also visit those iniquities on us. And next in verse 12 to 15, God tells us that we shall not cause loss on others. We shall not owe other people and we shall make restitution. And next in verse 16 to 20, God wants us to live in purity. You know, nowadays, maybe someone in their college years or even high schoolers, they have premarital sex, or maybe someone have affairs in their marriage. We also need to ask God for his precious blood to cleanse us and also help us to repay for the one who has hurt. And God also don't want us to worship idol. In verse 18 to 20, God really cares about those things. And from verse 21 to 25, you can see that God also cares about money lending. Here in verse 21, you shall not wrong a sojourner or oppress him, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. You shall not mistreat any widows or fatherless child. If you do mistreat them and they cry out to me, I will surely hear their cry and my wrath will burn and I will kill you with the sword and your wives shall become widows and your children fatherless. So here you can see that God no only cares about these things, but he is very strict about those things. So how can we learn to care for and look after the widows and the fatherless? He will really bless us with double portion because this is something that God really cares about. So we shouldn't just say that, oh, maybe I have tithing, I have even donated to some ministry or missionaries, but we also need to take care of the orphans and widows. This is very important for churches and for brothers and sisters. You know, nowadays, it's there's really a high divorce rate. Maybe some people after divorce, they are still pretty well off. But someone after divorce, when they're um, bringing up their kids by just themselves, maybe they need to work for two jobs or three jobs just to make ends meet. Do you want your church to have revival? Do you want to receive blessing and favor? Then go take care of them and to provide for them. Maybe the thing that you offer to them, they can never pay back, but God will pay back to you. He said it is counted as lending to God. He will pay back for you. So don't take this lightly. When we serve the widows and the fatherless, this might be the secret for us to receive God's favor. All these things, this giving, this donation, or maybe buy them foods, or bring their kids to the hospital, help them for studying, help them to find a job. All these things, God will remember. God will give you favor and the church will have revival. And that's why in Isaiah 58, when God talks about fasting, he also mentioned these things. And he even say that your light shall break forth like the down and your healing shall spring up speedily. The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard because God looks after the widow and the fatherless. He start looking after them from the Exodus era, and he will continue to look after them even before Christ's second coming. So may God help us to don't treat those things lightly. And next from verse 26 to 31 talks about we shall not swindle the poor, we shall give them the due blessing and favor and grace. 
And verse 31, you shall be consecrated to me. Therefore, you shall not eat any flesh that is torn by beasts in the field. You shall throw it to the dogs. And here is actually talking about what does a life look like for a kingdom priest. So either it's in verse 28, 29, how to honor our authority, how to give our tithing, or even the firstborn of oxen and sheep. Seven days it shall be with its mother, and on the eighth day it shall give it to the Lord. Not just our bees, but also our own kids. Every one of us, we are the priests in God's kingdom. So may God help us to know that we don't just learn how to pray, how to live a churchy life, but instead we have to know that we have to be transformed from a slave to a priest. So here from chapter 21 to 22, see God's heart behind it. Help us to get rid of our evil and our sinful nature. May God have mercy on us and help me to leave God, the earthly kingdom and enter into the kingdom of God, a kingdom of priests, so that I will really know what does it mean to be consecrated. When we see the earthly Code, the earthly law, the code of Hammurabi, it's telling us not to uh, mistreat others, but God's kingdom, his rule, it's not just about this, but it's more about helping us to know God's heart, to get rid of sin, and to truly live a lifestyle of a kingdom priesthood. And so that's why when we are un trying to understand chapter 21 and 22, why God first talks about rules rather than first talking about statues, because God has mercy on us. He knows that we have still have this mindset of slavery so their families today we are also like this maybe we lead someone to christ and we guide them to know the church life and we are not just trying to bring them into a religious lifestyle but instead we have to help them to guide him with through wisdom to help them how can we see god's heart through our everyday life to see that wow a godly life can be so joyful so consecrated so pure and we can learn how to care for others look not only to our own interests but also to the interests of others because God cares about those things God cares about when we help the widows and the fatherless God cares when we let others suffer some loss we will know how to repay when we can truly live out those things then we will be step by step living in God's holy kingdom so today their family shall we all make these three prayers that help me to open my heart that I can know your will, know your characters, and to live out your glory. Teach me how to live in front of you. And the second thing from chapter 21, verse 12 to the end of chapter 22, teach me how to get rid of my sinful nature. May your precious blood covers me. If there's any hatred, hurt, despise, contempt, pride, or anger, greed, or murder inside me, save me from all these things. Help me to get rid of my sinful nature and sinful acts. Your precious blood can cleanse me and I will no longer allow any foothold for Satan to do any evil work to destroy my family marriage my destiny or my church and the third thing that we can pray that Lord may you help me to get rid of the earthly rules I cannot live out your rule by myself through myself I cannot live out your life may you bring me into a kingdom of priests may your life lives inside me may your life guide me may your life help me and transform me so I can live in your kingdom priesthood. So bless everyone through the God's rules. We can understand God's heart more and more and become a priest in God's kingdom. Amen.